Hey, this is Big Rev. Thanks for tuning in to Masterclass Theology, a weekly podcast where we study books of the Bible a verse at a time and apply it to our lives. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Let's rock. God, thank you for tonight. Thank you for the book of Hosea and for just the unique challenges it offers us and the unique opportunity it gives us to get to know you in a new way. And many of us probably haven't spent much time in Hosea, Lord. This might be new territory for us. And, and I know I've only taught, taught the book once many years ago. And God, this is just a great challenge. And I just pray that you would be with us on this journey and that you would uh, just really teach us, that you would, just, you would be the one, Lord, that's reaching out to us and showing us your care and that we would get to know you better through Hosea's story. We thank you for this evening. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. All right. We are recording. Let me take one more gulp of coffee here because you know what? That's my thing. All right. I'm going to get rid of the waiting room here just a second. Off to the side. Let's get our screen share going because we need that so we can see our lesson. Okay. Hosea chapter one. Here we go. Okay. Let's do some introduction here. So, Hosea. So who is this guy? Hosea. Well, we'll read verse one here. The word of the Lord that came to Hosea, the son of Be'eri, in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. And in the days of Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel. So that sentence right there tells us that this is a divided kingdom. Now, we already knew this. You know, after the, the days of David and after the days of Solomon, we have the nation of Israel or Ephraim. They're known as poetically and which is, you know, Joseph's son's name. And you have the nation of Judah, two kingdoms. And you got the, the 10 tribes in the north, the 12th tribe in the south or the 11th tribe in the south. And the 12th tribe is Levi and they're kind of everywhere. And so that is you got to divide a kingdom. So you'll read these kings and chronicles and you hear, okay, certain, certain king of Israel and then such and such king of Judah. So Hosea actually had a long career. Look at all those kings he lived through. Um, Jeroboam II, this is uh, Jeroboam II, is um, when his primary thing is going on here. Hosea was, we got a chart here. He was a contemporary of... Amos, and to a degree, Jonah. Jonah is going to be in another part of the north, but yet Jonah's there. Isaiah and Micah will be doing ministry down south in Judah, but Hosea is one of the northern prophets. So his ministry is exclusively to Israel, exclusively up north to the northern kingdom. And who is this guy? Well, his name, his name is beautiful. You've, you've encountered his name before. His name is essentially Joshua's name, Hoshea. And that was, if you remember correctly from your book, the book of Numbers, that was Joshua's original name, Hoshea. And Moses renamed him, Yehoshua. But the name means salvation. That's what Hosea means. It means salvation. A variation of that is like Yeshua. Okay, so the idea of the Lord doing the saving. So we get Joshua and Jesus' name in Aramaic. And so we, we've seen this name a lot. And Hosea, 
Hoshea is salvation. Who's it written to? His audience is the north. The northern kingdom, this is Israel, when um, between 700 and 800 BC. So this is not quite 800 years before Jesus. And so um, the Assyrians have not yet taken out the 10 tribes. Um, so, you know, Jonah is, you know, will be doing his thing, that kind of stuff. But no, uh, Nineveh is still a major power, all that kind of stuff. None of this stuff has happened yet that we studied in the other minor prophets. Hosea is considered the first and some consider the greatest of the minor prophets. And he has that preeminent kind of quality about him. And what is his message? I kind of boil his message down like this. Your sin is probably worse than you think it is. And that's a terrifying statement. Your sin is probably worse than you think it is. And here's a second statement. God, as Savior, is more caring than you could ever imagine. So your sin sucks. Well, I like how John Newton put it. The guy who wrote uh, The Amazing Grace, he said, I am a great sinner. But God's even a greater Savior. Wow. That's the story of Hosea. You're probably a lot worse than you think you are. But God is a lot greater than you think he is. We need that perspective, that double-edged perspective there. I'm going to get rid of a couple of things on my screen here. Just one second. I want to be able to see the chat because right now it's hidden behind all your beautiful faces. Okay. Yeah, Mick texted Hosea's message. God really... God really must love you. Yeah. Yeah, it's, um, yeah, this is, we're going to be tempted in Hosea to look at this book and go, oh, geez. Well, at least I'm not like that. And the answer to that is baloney. You are, and you're probably worse. You are worse if you're minimizing your own sins, because that's what Pharisees do. And we don't want hypocrites. And yeah, so let's get, we're having the waiting room thing that people coming in here. We want that. So we're in Hosea 1. So that's kind of a basic introduction. And so you kind of know basically in biblical history where we're at. Um, it's going to be in the beginning of Hosea's ministry. Everybody's going to be fat and happy. Politically, things are going to be stable. And Israel's going to be in a strong position. And the, Assyri the Assyrians are going to be in a weaker position. And the second and third parts of Hosea's ministry, that's going to flip. Israel's going to be in a weakened position. And the Assyrians are going to be really, really, really strong. And they're going to kick some butt kind of thing. So politically, it's just a weird time in Israel's history. And so, yeah, so let's look at here. We're just going to get into the story. We are going to scroll down a little bit. A real but still symbolic marriage. Um, and I'll start with verses two and three here. When the Lord first spoke through Hosea, the Lord said to Hosea, go take to yourself a wife of whoredom. Ooh, a wife of whoredom, a harlot. I didn't like how the NIV put it there. It's like, go, go get yourself a promiscuous woman. No, it's deeper than that. Go take to yourself a wife of whoredom, and then 
It continues. And have children of whoredom. Ouch. Ouch. Wow. Go take for yourself a wife of whoredom and have children of whoredom. For the land commits great whoredom by forsaking the Lord. Wow. So he's telling Hosea, he said, let's work backwards here. Israel is being like a prostitute regarding to God. Okay. It's like, it's crazy. It's like the, the, they, they should be faithful to God, but they're not. So I want you to take a wife that is guaranteed to not be faithful to you and have kids from that. Wow. This is okay. For the land commits great whoredom by forsaking the Lord. So he went and took Gomer. Gomer's a man's name. This poor woman's got a man's name. It's a masculine proper name in Hebrew. The daughter of Diblaim, and she conceived and bore him a son. Wow. Well, go marry and have children. So he married and she conceived. I'm just going to say something really blunt. There's going to be three kids in our text today. The first one is Hosea's kid. Number two and number three, I don't think so. He went to her, she conceived to bore him a son. You see, it's a real but a symbolic marriage. We have here unfaithfulness, harlotry, promiscuity, and adultery. We just mentioned that. Um, go marry and have children. You see, I want you to think about, see, really quickly here, you might be saying to yourself, how is this possible? This is a prophet of the Lord. In the Old Testament, there was only one set of regulations for marriage for God's, uh, for God's kind of, you know, people here for in terms of his officers. The priests, especially the high priest, uh, they couldn't. They, 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 they could only have uh, certain, um, certain, certain kinds of wives or whatnot. Um, but yeah, that's it. And so um, prophets can have no such thing. So God's telling, so God's not being a hypocrite here is what I'm saying. And so God is able to tell um, he's able to have this kind of wife, and that's that that's quite okay in terms of um, God's God's word here. Go marry, have children. I want you to think about Hosea's family. Hosea was an up and comer, and he was. This would have been a major thing. Go. I, I'm I'm not quite certain that Hosea's mom and dad would have been too happy about this. God wants you to have what? As a, um, are you are you serious? Um, I, I can't I can't imagine I can't imagine God or Hosea's family being happy about this. But notice something about Hosea here. Hosea doesn't say no. 
Could you imagine Hosea's position? Could you imagine that? I mean, just think about that for one second. You're God's guy. The word of the Lord is coming to you, and God says, do this. You see, Hosea doesn't pull a Jonah. Jonah says, um, no, I'm going to go do my own thing, thanks. I got life already figured out, God. I'm going to go do my thing. Hosea doesn't do that. Huge. Hosea is going to have a really hard life. God's going to call Hosea to do things that aren't going to make a lick of sense. And before I get ahead of myself, that right there is salvation. The very fact that God saved you doesn't make a lick of sense. The very fact that God saved me, it's like, are you serious, God? Me. You know me, God. Me? You're going to show me grace? Grace never makes sense. Okay? I just, I just dropped my final bomb right there. That's how Hosea 1 works out. Grace never makes sense. So all the rest of the stuff with Hosea, it's almost like it's gravy. I mean, we get it at this point. What is he going to call Hosea to do? Nothing. That's how I figured out how to teach this, because grace never makes sense. So Hosea's life doesn't make sense. Your life sometimes doesn't make sense. My life. Okay, God is our constant. God is the one who, who, who's the one who's planning everything and planning everything out here. That's okay. It doesn't have to make sense. So we have a real but a symbolic. This marriage is full of symbolism that God is going to use to teach the, the upper kingdom a key lesson. But it was a real marriage. Hosea is a real person going through real things. And so we have real but symbolic children. Oh, it gets even better now, four to nine. And the Lord said to him, call his name Jezreel. So kid number one, the one, um, yeah, on the Mori Povich paternity test, you are the father. Yeah, Hosea, this is his kid. Call him Jezreel, for in just a little while I will punish the house of Jehu for the blood of Jezreel. Check this out, this is 2 Kings 9 and 10, uh, the northern kingdom, bad stuff. God's like, that's it. I'm going to take care of these guys. It's like the, the way the northern kingdom acted, especially around Jehu, you're, you're just like, okay, yeah, this is done. God is like, I'm done with this. I'm done with these people, this northern kingdom. And we're not surprised when just a generation later they're wiped out. Okay, but God's calling a shot right here with baby number one. Call his name Jezreel. This is kind of like um, um, if, if like um, Napoleon had a kid and named it Waterloo. Okay, this would be like a historical place that was like his downfall, where it all started. That is this right here for Israel. It all kind of starts at Jezreel, God's displeasure. Call his name Jezreel. And I will put an end to the kingdom of the house of Israel. And on that day, I will break the bow of Israel with the valley of Jezreel. Wow. She conceived again and bore a daughter. I wish I could say the text allows me to say this was Hosea's kid. I'm sorry. We're dealing with a woman who is a, well, a specific moral quality of a woman. This is a harlot, 
someone who is guaranteed going to cheat, who is, that's the way she goes. So that's why people who are real, you know, fussy about God's word, there's no way God's word meant that. Maybe she was just a spiritual harlot and maybe all she did was just try to cheat with her religion and not with her body. Hogwash, take the word of God at face value. This woman enjoys playing the field and God told Hosea to marry that kind of person. Huge. All right. So all of a sudden she's conceiving again. She's having another kid. Most likely. What, what the text said for baby number one is not saying here. Most likely we're dealing with um, a baby from another guy. Um, yeah, bore a daughter. The Lord said to her, call her name, no mercy. Translated, no mercy. For I will no more have mercy on the house of Israel to forgive them at all. Ouch. But I will have mercy on the house of Judah, and I will save them by the Lord their God. I will not save them by bow or by sword or by war or by horses or by horsemen. You know what he's going to do? It's when Sennacherib is going to come knocking on the doors of Jerusalem and King Hezekiah is down there. And all of a sudden they're going to wake up and everyone's going to be dead. And God himself is just going to randomly kill everybody against Israel. Against Judah, rather. It's this miraculous kind of like almost like angelic. Yeah, God's going to do this without an army. It's like God's going to start doing amazing things for Judah, but not for Israel. God is at a point where he's not going to have any more mercy. That is terrifying. Terrifying. Wow. Okay, Sandy takes in. Hosea's marriage to Gomer symbolizes God's relentless pursuit of Israel and of us even. We were wayward to seek other loves. Daniel says, of course, he knows us. He loves us more than we could ever possibly imagine. His love for us surpasses all human understanding. Yeah, she's a prostitute. And she's a prostitute. Yeah, she's, this is a woman who is going after other people. In fact, some commentators say that um, she was a bail prostitute because that's the number, that, 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 think about it for a second. That, that is the way Israel was prostituting themselves against God. You know, they, here they were, they were freed from it, from Egypt, and God gave them their covenant. So like your marriage, he brought them through the, 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 the wilderness wandering, gave them their promised land. God, they, God is in marriage with them. It is a great wedding, a great marriage between a husband, God, and a wife, people of Israel. And here they are, the first chance they get to, 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 to see Baal, it's right around the Balaam episode. They run after the Baals and start worshiping Baals. The first opportunity after the honeymoon to find someone else and they go to someone else. Israel steps out on God and goes to the Baals at every stinking opportunity. And that's where God's at here. It's like, you know what? That's who you're, that's who the, my mayor, my wife is, Israel, his wife. They're doing that to me. So I want you to have someone that does that to you because you're going to be my ready-made marriage object lesson to teach Israel. So some commentators think that, that Gomer was actually a Baal shrine prostitute. You can't prove it, but they, they, they go there. Wow. Verse 8, when she had weaned the baby called No Mercy, she conceived and bore a son. Again, she's just conceiving. We got no picture of Hosea anywhere. She was out dallying and doing whatever she does. She conceived again, and the Lord said, Call his name not my people, for you are not my people, and I am not your God. Ouch. Horrible mic drop. 
Wow. Dang. Using babies to communicate huge, huge, horrible truths. Wow. Call him Jezreel. Call her Loruhama. Mercy is like uh, Ahama, like uh, Arama. That's a, call her Lo Arama. Like call her no mercy. Call Lo Ami, not my people. Oh, Lo Ami. If you look in Exodus and in Leviticus, some of the precious words of God, he tells, he tells the nation he just brought out of Egypt. He says, I will be your God and you will be my um my people. And now you're Loami. You're not my people. Ouch. These are harsh, direct, prophetic words. But our hope here is that a desire is being created. What's that desire? That desire starts with jealousy. If you're in Israel, you're going, wow, you're stopping that with us. Like my opening question tonight, what was something you, you liked as a kid, but you don't like now? Well, here, God's stopping something with Israel, but notice he's not stopping with Judah. So if you're in Israel, you're going, wow, I wish I had that. I wish I had what Judah had. I wish I had that kind of relationship that they have with God. We kind of used to have it, but we don't anymore. So that's a desire. That's a good desire that hopefully the, the Hosea's audience is going to hear these words and they're going to go, wow, I want that. I want that. Is it going to happen? These are people who are fat and happy. They play the field. How did they play the field back then? They played the field of syncretism. They said, you know, we're going to go worship Yahweh, but just to cover our bases, let's go throw Baal a sacrifice too. And hey, you know what? Baal has sex. They have prostitutes. So you get to actually have sex as part of your worship service. So let's go do that too, because that's really fun. And so we'll make sure we cover all of our bases. And in fact, in the ancient world, some of the people even thought Baal and Yahweh are the same God. They're just the same thing. And you can see how that would get twisted and how you could see God's holy jealousy there for his people who are treating him like anything run of the mill. In the, uh, the, the, the great like, area of Bethel, they had two big golden calves that represented Yahweh. And that's not what's supposed to represent Yahweh. And Baal was known as uh, a big bull. And so the syncretism, this idea this, that I'm going to have my God and I'm going to have this other God. I'm going to keep doing both. And I'm going to keep having both and make them the same thing. Commandment number one, you shall have no other gods before me. No one in my category. And that's what they're doing. You see, if you tried to do that in a marriage, you'd be in divorce court tomorrow. You can't treat your spouse that way. Where you say you love them, but you're always chasing after everything else. I mean, are you serious? That's not a marriage at that point. There's no, there's no marriage bed at that point. What the heck do you think you're doing at that point? Any counselor worth their goals, wait, wait, and goals, like, stop. That you, you, you're not, you're communicating everything wrong with how you go about your things here. And yet that was their worship? Dang. No wonder God's ticked. No wonder God has this object lesson. 
fundamental identity, the identity is crumbling here. What's their fundamental identity? Their fundamental identity is we are Israel. We are God's people. God will always love us no matter what. We come up with the same kind of crap when we say God is a loving God and God loves us without any preconditions and God loves us no matter what. No matter what I do, God's going to just love me. And that love is always going to be the same because God is always the same no matter what I say or do. And that makes God's saving love really weak. As in God's always going to look at you and go, well, I'm just, it doesn't matter what you do and how you treat me. I'm going to think of you the same way. Find that in the Bible. Now, God is a merciful God. God is the God of grace. God is the God who leads you to repentance. No one's denying that. But to say God has to love you because of this, 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 or this, or this, that is you trying to control God. See, that's Israel here. God is always going to love them no matter what. God is always going to be their God. They're going to have these unique thing with God. No matter what they say or do, they are always going to be good. Because there we go. This fundamental identity is crumbling with these three babies. Where God's saying, nope, nope, and heck nope. You're not playing this manipulation game with God anymore. At some point, God has had enough. And that is reassuring and terrifying at the same time. Paradoxical surprise and reversing. These next three verses aren't going to make sense. I'm sorry. I'm actually not sorry. Let's just read them. Yet the number of the children of Israel should be like the sand of the sea, which cannot be measured or numbered. And in the place where it was said to them, you are not my people, it shall be said to them, children of the living God. And the children of Judah and the children of Israel shall be gathered together, and they shall appoint for themselves one head. And they shall go up from the land, for great shall be the day of Jezreel. What? Say to your brothers, you are my people, and to your sisters, you have received mercy. What? W what? I thought you were just smacking us around here, and now? What? You're looking at this and you're saying, Hosea, you're either an idiot or you're a genius. Um, yet the Israelites, the people of Judah and the people of Israel, while wow, my people, my loved one, didn't you just get done saying Jezreel is going to be their downfall? And now Jezreel is going to be this place where they're going to gather together? Wow. Um, wow. The number of my children of Israel should be like the sand of the sea. Well, we have here in the blue text here. There's a promise kept to Abraham and Jacob. We, we, we recognize that. That was a promise to Abraham and Jacob. Your, your descendants are going to be like this, you know, the, the stars or like the sand of the seashore. You can't number them. You see, you look at Romans 9, 10, and 11, okay? And it's very critical about Israel. But where I land my plane there is like, well, will, will all Israel be saved? I don't know. But here's what I do know. God keeps his word. And God keeps his word to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. And God paid promises to them. And God keeps his word. I don't know what that looks like. But I will not at all be shocked if God decides to save Israel 
for the sake of his word to Abraham. I am not shocked anymore when we get this great theological about face, where it's basically turn or burn, and you're going to burn, 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 and now you're not my people, you're not my people, no mercy, no mercy, and here there's hope, and there's hope, and there's hope. The number of the children of Israel should be like the sand of the sea, which cannot be measured or numbered. And then the place where it was said to them, you are not my people. It shall be said to them, children of the living God. Wow. And the children of Judah and the children of Israel shall be gathered together. Look at that unity. There's a hope there. As a nation. Look at that hope. Look at that. Look at that hope. Oh, I'm going to make this here. Hold on. We have a divided kingdom here. What is God saying to them? One day you are not going to be divided. One day Israel and Judah is going to be one entity again. There's hope there. Israel is probably saying at that point, right. Judah is probably saying at that point, yeah, right. Our brothers that we're not going to go to war against anymore, we're going to be together. We're going to have one boss, one ruler. It's really tempting to look at the end times here. It's really tempting to look at the good shepherd here. It's really tempting to look at what God has planned for them, or he will be their king yet again. They will have that ruler again, one like a son of David. You see, God has plenty of judgment. God has plenty of condemnation against sin and against against. Uh, prostitution against him. But God is a God of hope. God is a God of reversals that you don't see coming. Hello, book of Esther. God is a God of just absolute grace that no one can ever deserve. There's hope. There's grace for the harlot. You see, what's really interesting about this is that we would expect one verse to be right in between these two sections. And that verse was, and then Hosea said this to the people, and they all tore their clothes, and they all put ashes on their heads, and they all walked around in potato sacks, and they they fasted, and they called an assembly, and we're looking for that. We're looking for what the king of Nineveh did in Jonah's text. We're looking for what they did in Ezra and Nehemiah's day. We're looking for that in Isaiah's time. We're looking for that some great humility. We're looking for some great repentance. We're looking for the prodigal son with his face in the pig crap, eating, can't even eat the pig food, and he's he's longing for home. But we don't get that. We don't get that at all. All we get is hope because of the grace that God can show. There's a new relationship here. And I don't know how that new relationship comes about. All I know is from my story, I was a hypocrite and would always stay the hypocrite. You were the hypocrite. You will always stay the hypocrite. On your own, you will never, ever, ever choose God. Ever. But
God breathed spiritual life into your corpse. You were dead in your sins. It is by grace you have been saved. And that's the best mic drop in the Bible. That's how, that's how Hosea 1 makes sense. That makes the Holy Spirit writing through Hosea genius. We can't understand how we get from not my people to I love you. Not one of us deserves that love. Grace never makes sense. And the moment it does make sense, I don't think it's grace anymore. It's something you've earned or you deserve or something like that. Even faith is a gift from God. Thanks, Mick. I'm sorry, guys. I haven't even looked at the chat. I'm too emotionally wrapped up in this. There's grace for the harlot. The harlot is me. The harlot is you. It's not just Gomer. And if God never does show us that grace, we will never turn to him. We will never repent of our sins. We will never have a new relationship that will never ever on its own happen. We need Hosea. Mr. Salvation himself in his name. We need that guy. We need him to love Gomer. We're rooting for Gomer. Because we are Gomer. That's how Hosea makes sense. Grace. Grace for the harlot. So we can say in the final the lines of this verse, because of Christ, you are my people. You have received mercy. This has been Big Rev from Hosea 1. Thanks for letting me share.